I'm Robert Hodgkin, and this is Heroes Arise, the streaming media broadcast that equips, encourages, and empowers you to arise as the hero, warrior, and champion that God created you to be. You matter, you are important, and you've got a key role to play for the kingdom on earth. So thank you for joining me again this week so we can continue to pour into you. We've got another segment of our prophetic words for 2023 for you today. As you know, I've been talking to prophetic friends, prophetic voices, and hearing from them what God is speaking to us for 2023. And I want to say, if you feel like in any way you've hit a roadblock or you've had some tests and trials and difficulties or you feel stuck or it just seems like all those blessings, all those promises, all those prophetic words that have been spoken over to you, over you, you can't quite seem to step into them, then you definitely want to hear this word from my dear friend Ryan Johnson who I'll bring in in just a moment because I'm telling you this word declares 2023 is going to be a breakthrough year for you but just as importantly as what the promise is for the coming year God has given Ryan keys on how to see where you're going and step into it because as we always talk about here at Heroes Arise our God is sovereign but his sovereign plan since day six has been to have a people in relationship with him who are willing to walk with him and are willing to be his representatives. We each have a part to play, and you're going to hear the promise for 2023. You're going to hear the, the strategy for 2023, and you're going to step into what God has for you for 2023 when you apply what God spoke to Ryan Johnson. But just before I bring him in, I do have one quick announcement. I want to make sure you know that we have been doing the drawings for our You Are Powerful mugs that came out with uh, my new book, Realms of Power. And we've got the first round of uh, drawings done. The winners are in. I've been uh, uh, posting who the winners are so you can get me your mailing address and I can have resource ship those out to you. So be sure to check on my Instagram account, my Facebook account, places like that. Because if you won, I want to make sure you get your mug. But also... If you want to win a mug, we're going to continue the drawings. We're going to continue this promotion. All you have to do is go to Amazon.com and leave a five-star review for our new book, Realms of Power. And hey, while you're there, pick up a copy or two. Make sure your 2023 gets off to a powerful start and get one as a gift to give to a family member or um, somebody at church to make sure they get into a powerful 2023 because the book Realms of Power will help you tap into new dimensions of Holy Spirit power. And wow, do we ever need that right now? But if you leave a five-star review for Realms of Power on Amazon.com, you'll be entered into the drawing. Or if you go to your favorite podcast platform and you leave a five-star review, like, share, subscribe our podcasts, like, share, and subscribe our YouTube videos. But if you leave a five-star review for that podcast, you will also be entered into the drawing. And we give away at least five mugs a month, so you got a really good chance of winning and having one shipped out to you because basically we don't have a marketing department or much of a marketing budget or any marketing budget and you become that for us because when you do the five-star reviews and you like you share you subscribe 
All that stuff helps trigger the algorithm that does something behind the scenes or in the programming or in the ether. And it helps get word out and it helps get our books, our resources, our videos, our podcasts in front of more people's eyes and ears so we can empower more heroes like you. Okay, that's the announcements. Let me bring in my special guest and my dear friend, Ryan Johnson. How are you, Ryan? Sorry, I was, I was just enjoying this mug that... um. Let's see, I can't remember where I got it from here, but um, oh, wait a minute! It does say a uh, Robert Hotchkin Ministries. This this mug right here, you, it reminds me that I'm powerful. You are, my friend. You are every single day. Every sip is a sip of truth because you are powerful. And thank you, my powerful friend, for being with us today. Because um, as you know, and as we were sharing with the audience, we're doing this series of prophetic words for 2023. And you had very kindly shared a word with me that you had received. And I loved it. I felt God all over it. What I'm loving about this series, Ryan, is we're seeing so much um, um, synchronicity or so much uh, agreement or so much parallel or so much rhyming, if you will, of all the different words. Everybody's getting different things, but there's elements that seem to be common themes throughout. And I wanted to make sure we got you on as one of our most frequent guests and got your voice out there with what God spoke to you that we can apply in 2023 to have a breakthrough year. So do me a favor. I'm going to switch our views here to feature you. Share with the audience what the Lord spoke to you about looking to the dry ground and how we unpacked it and what it means for us in 2023. Yeah, well, first of all, Robert, thank you for allowing me to come back onto your platform. I really enjoy every opportunity I get to have a conversation with you. And so I'm very honored to be able to share this. And it was um, some weeks ago, I was in the middle of worship at our home church here in Tennessee. And it was just one of those days that you're caught up in worship. You're not really thinking about anything other than what song is being sang and you're singing, you're declaring it. And in the midst of the worship, I heard the Lord clearly say, look to the dry ground. And my immediate thought was not, oh, I better stop God speaking to me. And this is a prophetic word. My immediate thought was, what has that got to do with the song that we're singing right now? It just felt so out of place for me in that moment. So I, I, it's not like I completely ignored it, but I just kept on worshiping. And then I heard it again, look to the dry ground. So I, in, in my mind, I just, just kind of shut off my worship and I went to praying. And I, I began to say, God, what are you trying to tell me about? Look to the dry ground. And immediately I was taken in a vision and I was standing on the banks of what I view to be this massive river. If somebody can imagine standing on the banks of the widest part of the Mississippi River. And the water is moving from the left to the right. And the current is pretty strong, I can tell. It's not a rapid current, but it's, it's strong enough. And I heard the Lord again say, look to the dry ground. And I looked across the river. I looked across like, to the other side of the bank. And then all of a sudden, I heard the Lord say, can you see the dry ground? And so I'm looking across the water to the other side. And then he said, stop looking backwards. Mm. look to go forward, look to the dry ground. Now, I'm not looking backwards in the vision. I'm looking to the other side. But again, the Lord says it again. Stop looking backward and look to go forward, look to the dry ground. And I was back in the sanctuary, and I was worshiping. And I was, I, it was like, God, what are you trying to say to me? I, I, I don't really comprehend it. So I just really began to press in more into prayer. 
And I initially I ran through my mind the different times in Scripture where you're, it mentions dry ground, where there's water and there's dry ground. I thought of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah strikes the water, separates, they walk across on dry ground. Elisha does the same thing. But I didn't get that check in my spirit. I thought about Joshua and the Israelites of the Jordan River. And again, nothing checked in my spirit. Mm -hmm. And then I remembered and go back to the most infamous one or most famous one at that is Moses and the Red Sea. Now, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of the Ten Commandments movie. As cheapy, cheesy and corny as that movie is, I still love that movie. I mean, I, I'm the kind that when I when I meet the real Moses, Moses is if he is not like Charlton Heston, <laughs> I'm going to be greatly disappointed. That's how much I like that movie. So when I'm reading the scripture a lot of times, I think about that movie scene of Charlton Heston, you know, holding the shaft out and the, you know, the water separating all this. But I went back and read that scripture in Exodus chapter 14. And like everyone else who has ever experienced this, you read scripture, you know the story, especially if you've seen Ten Commandments movie, you kind of think you know the story. And then you come mm -hmm. across a passage in scripture that absolutely jumps out and you go, oh, I never caught that before. Now, a familiar passage of scripture, they're there, they come, they get out of Egypt, the children of Israel, they get to the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh and his armies are chasing them down. And there's that infamous exchange between the children of Israel and Moses, why have you brought us this far? We're going to die. It would have been better for us to be back in Egypt than to die out here in the wilderness. And there's this exchange that happens. And, and again, we're very familiar with it, but there were some things that caught my attention that I didn't specifically catch before. And that is when you look at verses 10 through 16 of Exodus 14, one particular thing that the children of Israel said was, is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt saying, leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. And Robert, honestly, I, I like, I know the scripture that I had in my mind. I know the movie scene that I've always had in my mind. And I've always understood that the children of Israel looked back at Pharaoh's impending army. And they did. I'm not discrediting that. They looked back and they were gripped with fear. And they thought, here is where we're going to die. Mm -hmm. Moses, why do you bring us here? But I never caught the fact that they had already been telling Moses in Egypt, we would be better off to be slaves than to leave this land and go with you. And that leaped out because in the vision, again, I wasn't looking back. I was looking across the other side. And so now I went into this more and more saying, God, what are you saying about looking to the dry ground? And Robert, he took me on this journey of understanding that for many of us, we've all had these moments in our lives that were the good, the bad, and the ugly, the highs and the lows. But we have a tendency to always look back when times get difficult, when times get challenging, when there's a massive obstacle in front of us and we have to press forward. We all have those moments where we're, we're struggling in this and we think, if I'd never went down this road, if I just would have stayed where I was at. I wouldn't be battling this. I wouldn't have to be going through this. I wouldn't be doing this. And it's not that you're necessarily physically looking behind, but you've already premeditated in your mind in this. And this is why it's so important that the Lord said, look to the dry ground. Now, 
again, I want to reiterate something to people. If I'm looking at a massive body of water, the only dry ground is on the other side. But that wasn't sufficient for God. God said, quit looking backward, look forward, and look to the dry ground. Well, when we go back to that scripture, Moses is literally talking to God about this dilemma, and God responds back to Moses and says, why are you crying out to me? That's God's response to Moses. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. That's the command. Go forward. Well, where are we going to go? There's this massive body of water. He literally tells him, lift up your staff, reach out for your hand over the sea. I'll divide it, and the children of Israel will go across in the midst of the sea on dry land. Well, here's the thing. Underneath that massive body of water should have been muddy land. Mm -hmm. It should have been a challenge. It should have been an obstacle. It should have been a place where they really would have been captured because their feet and their wagons and their, their everything that they were carrying would have got stuck in that mud. So what it tells me is if I separate this, let me put it this way. If we go out into a parking lot, there's a mud puddle, and that mud puddle dissipates, well, eventually it's going to be dry because the water's not deep. But if we go to a pond and we drain the pond or a lake, eventually it's going to get dry. But see, what God did at the Red Sea, and I want everyone to hear this, what God did is exactly what his word decrees that he will do. He will make a way... <clears throat> When there is no way, when that water separated the dry ground, here's what here's it's just what leaps out in my spirit. The dry ground was all, always there; it was already being prepared. Because when that water separated, it didn't have time to dry out. In other words, in other words, that dry ground, believe it or not, supernaturally, God made it dry when there was no way for it to mm. be dry. So when God is telling us to look to the dry ground, we're having to see beyond the natural obstacles. We're having to see beyond what the imposing enemy is, is, is coming at us and stuff. And we have to understand that we need to learn how to take God at his word. And there's so much more, but I know you got to jump in. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, this word is so profound and so powerful. And as I've ruminated on it and reread through it, and, you know, I know that Steve Schultz put it out on the Elijah list. I've been thinking about it a lot because it dovetails in with some things the Lord has been speaking to me to encourage me in the midst of everything that's going on. But in the context of the word he gave you, I kept thinking, you know, because it was so clear and you unpacked it so well that the dry ground is not the banks on the other side of the river or the dry ground is not something we're familiar with on the other side of the obstacle or the challenges or difficult time. The dry ground that God is so clearly speaking about here and biblically, as you unpacked in Exodus 14, even is something unseen. Yes. And so I was real. I've really been thinking about this because I'm I'm a I'm a like sort of a unto and a how to. It's like God, what what is this unto and how do we partner with you in it? And and you know me, Ryan. I have the duh anointing. God makes things super simple for me, and I love it. But as I was thinking about this, it's like all right. So look to the unseen thing, the unseen way in the midst of all this seen turmoil, turmoil and trouble. And of course, that is our Jesus. Jesus is the way. 
ultimately the dry ground in every situation our nation's facing, every situation we're facing is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our promised land. He is our dry ground. And I think the more we look to him, the more we're going to realize how to step into that new thing that is on the other side of the challenges, but is not what we're used to. And let's get very practical, and I'm willing to stir up a hornet's nest, but um, let's talk about the 2020 election and all the fallout from that and all the fallout from the prophetic and and what's going on. And I've had my moments of frustration and discouragement. I know even with the Arizona election and everything that's going on here, it's been challenging at times. And in the midst of me processing through with God, all that went on here that seems so treacherous and not okay in the midst of our elections, I was a little frustrated. And the Lord spoke to me, Ryan, and he said, what if this is all a divine setup? Mm. And I realized what he was saying is, what if this needs to happen so the enemy can be clearly seen? And I'm not talking about a politician. I'm not talking about a party. I'm talking about the powers and principalities of treachery and tyranny and antichrist that some of these politicians are knowingly or unknowingly in league with. And regardless of where they are on that spectrum, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, died on the cross for them too. So I'm actually praying for them, not against them, but I'll pray against the powers and principalities. And so he showed me Exodus 14 to remind me that ultimately we I needed to be reminded that he hardened Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh and his army came after God's people, not because his promises had changed, but because it was a divine setup that when we get to the end of Exodus 14, we see after they looked to the dry ground, after they stepped out in faith, after Moses rallied them to stop murmuring, complaining, and actually start believing again and step out and trust God, who is our way maker and our way, Ultimately, that was un- what that was unto is the enemy they saw that day was completely, utterly, totally destroyed, never to be seen again. And as we're contending for breakthrough in our nation, we need to be looking for something more than the, 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 the familiar ground on the other side. And as much as I appreciated Mr. Trump's policies, my solution of what's going on in the nation is not simply looking to get him back in office. If God does that, so be it. But God can use anyone he wants, and I'm going to be down with it, because ultimately my way to seeing righteousness and truth and justice restored to my nation, God's will and way restored to my nation, is not a man or a woman. It's him who is the way. It's looking to Jesus Christ, trusting in him. Step And absolutely, in my opinion, voting for the candidate with the better set of policies and the, the, and the ones who are more pro-God, pro-church, pro-Israel, pro-life. But no candidate will ever be perfect. No candidate will ever be the way. No party, no candidate, no man, no woman. We need to stop looking to what has been good or what God has used in the past and start looking to God and finding out what he wants us to do in any given moment. Because here's the other truth of looking to the dry ground. We're part of the solution. It's not just a candidate. It's not just a better candidate than another. We're part of the solution. And the first thing we must do when we look to the dry ground, in my opinion, is we need to ask Holy Spirit to give us a heart and mind check, a thought and emotion check to make sure we're not murmuring, complaining, 
being bitter, being offended, being because and as we talk about this on Heroes Arise all the time, you can't fight darkness with more darkness. So even if we're standing for righteousness, but we're railing in bitterness against it, we're actually releasing darkness, not light. So this whole thing about looking to the dry ground for me was such a reminder of everything you said. God has a way in the midst of all this to see us through. But we also have to remember he is the way. We're not just looking to a solution. We're looking to him. And I don't think I've even told you this, my friend, but when I was processing through all this stuff with God in regards to the Arizona election, I was letting him know, God, I'm a little discouraged. Like 70% of our voting machines were compromised and nobody seems to think that's wrong. I mean, God, how much clearer can it be? And what about this? And we had one candidate who was far from perfect, like any of us are far from perfect, but really seemed to stand more for you and actually uses your name and glorifies you. What's going on? And the Lord didn't address the big situation. He addressed my heart. And he said, what are you really wrestling with? I said, well, God, all the prayer, all these years, and it just seems like the darkness is winning. I don't get why it turned out this way. And he said, are you wrestling with hope deferred? And I said, yes, that's it. I'm wrestling with hope deferred. Why do you think that is? I don't know, because I really put my hope in you as I was praying. And this is where he got me, Ryan. And I'm so grateful. He's so good. He asked me this question. Was your hope really in me? Or was your hope in a result you knew I could bring about? Sure. And all of a sudden, I realized, oh, God, you're right. And that's when he asked me, what if this is all a divine setup? If your hope is really in me and you still believe I'm almighty, you still believe I'm invincible in battle, you still believe I'm good, you still believe I'm there, you still believe I care, you still believe I want my will, ways, plans, and purposes in your nation more than you do, then no result should be a hope deferred. If you're looking to me and remembering who I am and what I'm like, and I'm the way maker, then you need to understand this just might be um, the woman with the issue of blood interrupting me going to Jairus's house. Don't be like Jairus and think, oh my gosh, the situation just got worse. I'm doomed. This is a setup, a divine setup for me to do something even more glorious, to put more of who I am on display and put it in the enemy's face more than you've ever imagined. Absolutely. I love where you're going with this because as you were talking, one of the things that was coming to my mind is what is often overwhelming to us can be something that can also be flipped to be overcoming for us. And as he was talking about with Pharaoh and his army, you know, that, that Red Sea was definitely overwhelming for them. Huge obstacle. But it became something that overcame for them. And what you said is they never dealt with Pharaoh and the Egyptian army ever again because what they walked across on became a tomb for Pharaoh and his armies. Oh, that's good. And that – that's something that really jumped out and caught my attention because one of the things I've struggled with for years, and, and this word actually gave me a little bit of clarity to this, and, and this is why I'm saying it because this is not definitely easy. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't want no one to hear this or watching this and think, oh, you know, it's just easy to look towards the dry ground. It, it's challenging. It really is at times when there's a massive obstacle in front of you and God is saying, look beyond what is there to what is capable and possible. You know, it's difficult when you're being overwhelmed. So I'm not discrediting the children of Israel and I'm not discrediting anyone else. But one of the things that always baffled me is 
multiple times Jesus tells the disciples, I got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be buried. And then I'm going to raise from the dead. And when you read those passages of scriptures, it's like it goes in one ear and out the other. They just Mm -hmm. never comprehended it at all. And then there's this point where Simon Peter gets this revelation of who he is because he got a revelation of who Jesus was. And moments after that, he literally looks at Jesus and Jesus is telling them again, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to raise from the dead. And Simon Peter looks to Jesus and says, I forbid you to go. And I've always been like the audacity (laughs) to, to ride that revelatory moment and think you could say that to the son of God. And I've always struggled like, why did he do that? I don't get it. How, why is he struggling on this? And the truth is the crucifixion is something that is so overwhelming to comprehend. You look at that and see that as a sure death. Mm. And I'm, I have to imagine that when he dies on the cross and even though the first days in the grave, they're wondering and hoping maybe, but the second day, Hope has to start to wane. And the third day, they're like, huh. But then they get the word. He is alive. Mm-hmm. And see, I think a lot of times the dry ground in this case is not the cross. The dry ground was the grave. Mm-hmm. Because you had to look beyond the natural circumstances of death and see that he had already made a way when there was no way because he said, I'm going to be resurrected. I am. He told um, Martha, uh, Lazarus' sister, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And these are things that we have to look at when we get into the political sphere of things. And from a distance, I'm watching what's happening in Arizona, and I'm going, what in the world? How is this? But it's it's becoming such a, and, and I'm, oh, gosh. I want to say this with all the love to everyone that is very much pro-conservatism, pro-Trump, pro-Carrie Lake, pro-everything. I, I say this with all my heart. One of the things, with the kindness of my heart, one of the things I do recognize is we're hung up on constantly looking to the past. Mm-hmm. We cannot even seem to comprehend to look forward because we're caught up on January 6th or we're caught up on November 2020 or we're caught up on, on this. And it's very difficult to progressively move forward when we're constantly redigging up the past. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing to look back because sometimes we've got to look back and for the circumstances. We always need to remember where God brought us from. So I'm not saying that it's necessarily wrong in that, but to look forward, we have to make sure that in our looking back, we're not developing a spirit of fear, right? Because fear will drive you to a place where everything seems so frightening. When we're looking back and we say stolen election or stolen votes or whatever the case may be, that fear goes into the next setup. And when things doesn't happen the way that we perceive them to happen, because we can't recognize the divine setup that you were talking about, we then are driven by that frightening fear. And now we're in a hopeless situation because what is realistic isn't even realistic. Right. Because our mind is being driven by fear and we create false realities rather than being the spirit beings that we are. We don't walk by sight. We walk by 
faith. We're spirit beings. And so this is one of those things that I want to encourage people. You won't always just automatically wake up and go, okay, I see it. You're going to have to cultivate your your eyes, your spiritual eyes to be able to see beyond the obstacles to see that it is an overcoming situation. Yeah. You know, I think that's good. And I want to, I want to lean into this conversation a bit because um, I'll give you my take. Like I agree with what you're saying, but I'm also grateful that there are ones out there like say in Arizona, Charlie Kirk or Carrie Lake who are addressing the situations. I don't think looking to the dry ground means ignoring all the treachery and tyranny. I think we need to deal with it because that's part of the divine setup that God didn't ignore or tell Moses to ignore the enemy. He gave him steps so the enemy could be deal with dealt with and abolished. Right. And I see like a Carrie Lake, a Charlie Kirk doing that. But I think what we have to be careful of to your point, is in the midst of dealing with these things, because as the audience, as our audience is probably getting sick of hearing from me, but I can't get off it. One of the huge words God gave me last year that is going to continue into 2023 is that the that we're not just in an Isaiah 60 season, we're in the midst of an Isaiah 60 opportunity. And the key to that opportunity is verse two: behold the darkness in the earth. He didn't say ignore it. He didn't say deny it. He didn't say murmur and complain about it. He didn't say duck and cover until I deal with it. He said, behold it. Why? Because we're here in his authority, by his power, to his glory, to deal with it. Because the next thing is the kingdom of God will arise in you. The glory of the Lord will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, kings of the brightness of your rising. Now, that's Jesus in us. It's God. It's it's Christ in us that's the hope of glory. But we're here to deal with it. So I think we need to deal with these things, absolutely deal with the darkness. Yet, to your point about the fear, we need to make sure in dealing with the darkness, especially when things seem impossible or impassable, and it's one of the reasons I cheer on Carrie Lake and Charlie Kirk, because they're refusing to believe no matter how dark or difficult or dire or long-term these things have existed, this is a moment for breakthrough, for righteousness, truth, and justice to be established. But we've got to make sure we don't become the people of Israel and murmur and complain. And to me, what that sounds like, because I've addressed this with some friends where they've said, I don't know that we're ever going to have a legitimate election again. So I'm not even going to bother voting. It's like, no, 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 that's fear talking. I am afraid that uh, our elections are forever compromised. Well, if we don't deal with this stuff, they will be. And like for me, my my way of dealing with it is the decrees God has given me and cheering on and championing those who are partnering overtly with God, who are declaring God all the time, like Carrie Lake and Charlie Kirk. Are they perfect? No, but neither am I. None of us are. But they're dealing with it. We just need to make sure we don't start giving place to fear, not just looking for, oh, the good old days, but the fear of it's too far gone. And I like what you say in your word. And this then applies to situations we're all dealing with personally, personally, when it looks impossible or impassable. And all of a sudden you're realizing how long it's looked impossible and impassable. In those situations, Ryan, how do we get past that assignment of fear that wants to turn us into murmurers and complainers or duck and coverers? And how do we look past the impossible and the impassable and see the dry ground? You got to know the difference between dealing with it and dwelling in it. And, oh, and, 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 and what I mean by that is 
the children of Israel, I'm going to go back to Exodus 14. The children of Israel, they're standing at the, at the Red Sea. They're complaining to Moses, you've brought us out here. We're going to die. There's no even graves. We told you this in Egypt. Again, that scripture comes back because what happens is fear drives you, frightening fear drives you to dwell in your past versus dealing with the past. God dealt with the past by causing the floodwaters to come and, and overwhelm the Pharaoh and wow. the Egyptian army. Whereas the children of Israel, and we know this story, unfortunately, when they get to the other side, they still have some hangups where they're dwelling in the past. They're dwelling in their slavery, even though they're free. They're dwelling with a bondage mentality rather mm -hmm. than dealing with it. The difference in looking towards or facing something to the past is the ability to go forward. When you deal with the past, you go forward. When you dwell in the past, you go nowhere. You're mm. constantly there. So that fear, what happens, I, I want to carry I, one of these things that I, I, I wrote out here, and I want to read this right here so I don't miss something, because the Lord did not say to look at what appears to be an overwhelming challenge. The Lord did not say to look at what appears to be an approaching enemy. The Lord did not say to look at a massive obstacle in front of you and hope that you will overcome it. Mm. The Lord did not say to engage in physical battle against your enemy. The Lord said, look to the dry ground. Well, again, one of the things that came to my remembrance, and, and I've quoted this a lot, in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, Jesus is infamously saying, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom. I've quoted that passage of Scripture because I genuinely believe that one of the hang-ups that we currently have in modern Christianity is we have people whose hands are on the plow, and they're not mm -hmm. looking back, which is great. I'm, I thank you, Jesus, you're not looking back. But the problem is... They're not plowing either. They're not moving forward. To overcome this fear, to overcome these, these obstacles, we have to be willing to put our hands to the plow and move forward. We have to progress. To deal with it means to do something about it. To dwell in it doesn't require anything of me other than to dwell. And that's where we're getting in trouble. And even going back further, outside of, of American Christianity, into the political sphere. Thank God for the Charlie Kirks and those that are going and dealing with it rather than dwelling on it. But you just brought that up a minute ago. We're having a lot of people who are saying, well, you know, they stole it and they done this and I shouldn't do that. And it's the same thing. I hear the same thing out of the political sphere when I hear people say, I got hurt at church. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have anything to do at church. Mm. Or they made mad, or this TV evangelist stole money, so I'm not going to tithe to my church, and I'm not going to give offerings Ooh. to my church, because all these churches are, are crooks and all this wow. and everything. And because you've had a bad experience, and you were in bondage, whether you recognize it or not, you were in bondage at some form, that mentality kept you dwelling in it because of fear, and you're unable to see what God has already said. So you boldly proclaim, I'm a Christian. My hands are to the plow but you're not cultivating the hard wow. ground. You're not moving forward. And we must look forward. And that's what, I think this is what gets me about the passage of scripture with Moses. Moses literally cries out to God and says, what do I do? And God's response yeah. to Moses is, why are you calling upon me? 
And it, it just, it absolutely blows me away because <clears throat> Moses had the anointing. He had the power and the authority to stretch out his hand. And he had this ability to do that. And I genuinely believe in, I am believing in this hour. That's what God is saying to you and I and yeah. everyone that is watching and listening to this. We've got to be able to see beyond the obstacles and see that dry ground to move forward. Outstanding. Yeah. And you know, I, I've been in Exodus 14 a lot over the last year, year and a half because of everything we're talking about and God keeps highlighting it because it is sort of a look at often how God brings about these great victories. Um, I mean, look at the cross. You, you already mentioned it. The cross is the greatest victory of all time, but to everybody standing there or everybody who had run away from there, it looked like a defeat. And I've been sharing with our audience for the better part of a year now one of the greatest challenges we have and one of the greatest strategies we have, <clears throat> excuse me, is God keeps highlighting we've got to learn the difference between loss and defeat. That we've got to oh, learn yeah. how to process loss without seeing it as defeat. And the cross is the perfect example. There was genuine loss at the cross. There was Mary lost having her son in her life every single day. The disciples lost having their rabbi walking with them and talking with them as they knew. Jesus lost his physical life. He actually laid it down more than lost it. That may be a bad example. There was genuine loss there, but there was absolutely no defeat. And in, it was the greatest victory ever. Just most people didn't see it. We've had a lot of genuine loss these last several years with the pandemic and lockdowns and economic fallout and supply chain issues and, and health issues. You name it. There's been a lot of loss, but we need to learn how to process that. So we deal with the grief. We deal with all those things so we don't get locked up in fear. We don't get locked up in looking, oh, remember when? Remember the good old days when? If we can only get back to that, that's where God's trying to lead us. No, God's trying to lead us somewhere newer and better. And so we've got to process the loss, but the key is to not see loss as defeat. Yes. And because if, if we see it as defeat, we take on a victim mentality, and now the enemy can devour us. And I believe that's part of what God meant when he said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? I think he was saying, remember the dry ground I showed you, the promise that you are the deliverer of my people. Remember the dry ground I showed you, that I spoke to you of who I am. I spoke to you of who you are, and I supernaturally empowered you to walk in it. Remember the dry ground I revealed at the burning bush. Now is your moment to step out into it. And he does, and he extends his hand with the staff. And I say this all the time because I've, I've shared this message before, and people have said to me, oh, if only I had like a, a staff like Moses that had been supernaturally empowered Hey, I get that. It'd be great to have that. But we have something better. We have the cross of Calvary. We have the complete, utter, and total defeat and destruction of the enemy. We look to that dry ground. We step into that. It only took one person to be willing to see the dry ground, remember the promise, remember who God is, remember who we are with God, remember how we've been empowered in all that he's done and all declared and released to us, and stand in that authority and the entire nation was set free. There is a remnant in this nation, and that's more than enough, but we must look to the dry ground. We must know who that is, what he's done, what he's given, and we must understand that where he's leading us is someplace new. I actually 
recently had an encounter with the Lord that I'm still unpacking, Ryan. I haven't told you about this. Let me throw this out in the context of what we're talking. I want to hear your thought on it. I've been sensing this sort of holy frustration, this sort of tension in the body. I, I can sense it in the spirit. And most of us are thinking that's because there's so much to deal with and so much to overcome right now. I think that's a part of it, but I think it's bigger. Recently, the Lord showed me something, said part of this tension is that we are about to slay giants in the land and we have been looking to what we've known or what makes sense and how to do it. Really great things like in the charismatic body. Of, of New Testament believers. We've got decades, over a hundred years of incredible charismatic ministry of putting the reality of God on display. And it's been truly glorious. I feel like one of the things God is saying though, is something new is coming. It'll be the same thing. It'll be him. But what God showed me is we're in this place where like right now we're trying to put on the armor of Saul to deal with the giant and it doesn't quite fit. And until we get to the point where we're willing to say, this is, this is the best armor made. This is King's armor. But we're willing to say, but it's not for the fight we're in. And we can be those humble little shepherd boys that say, armor and swords make sense. But my God is going to show me a new way. And I don't even know why. It's these five little stones against that great big giant. And part of the tension in the body right now is this trying to bring Saul's armor, which has been in many battles and seen many victories. Think about that. Saul's armor had been in a lot of battles and a lot of victories, but it wasn't right for that battle. And there's a battle we're in right now that if we try to wear Saul's armor, and I'm not saying Saul, the bad king that the Lord had left. I'm talking about what has worked in the past and brought great and glorious victories to the people of God. But God wants to do something new in churches, in meetings. And I'm not saying we throw out the baby with the bathwater. I'm saying part of this tension is we don't know what it looks like yet. So all we're doing is trying to make the old fit in the new. I'm, I can feel the tension, but when I get past the tension and start to think something's coming and it's going to fit like a glove and it's going to slay the giants, I start to get really, really excited. But if I don't maintain my focus on knowing God is about to do something in us, through us and with us that's glorious, I go back to that place of, oh, I can feel the tension and it's challenging. But I am telling you, we're about to shake off the armor of Saul and come into something new that is different, but fits like a glove is God probably takes a new level of humility than many of us have walked in. And we're going to see giant slain. <laughs> you get my wheels turning because one of the things that I'm sitting here thinking about is tension isn't necessarily always wrong. Right. And what I mean by that is, a modern-day slingshot needs tension in order to fire the most accurate stone. Mm. Mm. A bow needs tension mm. in order to release its arrow. A rifle has to have a cocked hammer back, yes. which creates tension in order to be able to fire a bullet. Mm. I, I, I also wonder in this word, the reason I'm saying all this, even when David puts on Saul's armor and it does not fit, it created tension. But it was able to release David 
in what he was to wear versus what he could be uh, presented with in that in that moment of a false security. Although Saul's armor did its job all the way up to that point, in David's moment, it would have gave him a false security in that, yes. a false comfort. It wasn't fit for him, and therefore there's tension in that. What I'm also wondering is on the flip side of this is, is God allowing you to recognize the tension because we're going to see a releasing of his power that we've not been able to comprehend because mm -hmm. I genuinely believe what's coming to the body of Christ in this, and, and this has been in years in the making is we're seeing the revelation of, of mature sons and daughters of God. Yes. But the revelation of mature sons and daughters of God will bring tension between the immature, mm. but out mm. of that will be the revelation of what is truly God's power versus man's charisma. What is God's anointing versus man's ability to preach the pain off the wall or whatever the case may be. So I'm wondering even that, that word that you're sharing right there excites me so much further because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what if, what if there's this releasing that we can't even comprehend that man can't take credit for? Because at the end of the day, when David slings, he, it's not a modern day slingshot, I know that, but right. when he slings that stone, it didn't do anything but just stun the giant. And David had to go and pick up a giant sword to cut off the head of the giant. We've been trying to wage warfare against an enemy with our own weapons for many, many years. Maybe, maybe the tension in the body of Christ you're recognizing is to see a supernatural power that we stop trying to take down enemies with our own weapons, and that power provides the weapons that the enemy has been using against us to cut off heads. I'm just saying. Very good. Well, let, let's, let's, let's pull it back to the personal. I know there are many out there that feel they're in situations that feel impossible and impassable. And this word you're carrying, the things we're talking about, I know can get exciting, can get encouraging, can give hope. And, and that's one of the things we're here for. But you know me and you're similar. We get very practical with this stuff because our God is very, very big, but he's also very, very personal and very, very practical. What is some ways that we can either Basically, how, do, how can we start to look to the dry ground? What are some practical things we can do to get that hope stirring, to be reminded of those promises, to, to partner with God, to see the unseeable or become certain and know what is not yet seen so we can start to look to that dry ground. So there's not only a hope, but there's a certainty that what looks impossible and impassable and has for a while is going to break. Well, one of the things, you know me, I'm never going to bend on, you got you to gotta be consistent in elementary principles. And what I mean by that is prayer, worship, and the Word of God. Yeah. And if you're not consistent in the daily reading of the Word of God and daily prayer and daily worship, then you will not be able to have ability to be able to see a dry ground because you'll be easily swayed. And so I'm always going to say, you got to be a student of the word of God. You got to be, you got to be a student of prayer. You got to be a student of worship because those things will keep you grounded fundamentally and foundationally according to the word of God. The second thing is don't be afraid to look for specific scripture. 
search out mm. scripture that aligns to what you're going through in that moment. For example, one of the things that I just quickly went to, when you're going to see dry ground, when you're looking to the dry ground and there's this massive body of water, God had, I, okay, I know God, you said your word says you make a way when there is no way, but help me further to be able to see it. Well, first Corinthians two and nine says things which I has not seen and ear has not heard all that God has prepared for those who love him. So here God again is in his word. You haven't even been able to see these things. You haven't even been able to hear these things. But what's the key for that? God, how can I see and how can I hear these things for those who love him? That's the key. Those who love him. So I have to begin to check, how do I love God? Now, listen, I want everyone to hear me clearly when I say this, because I think a lot of times we're all guilty, all guilty, me included. We are all guilty of saying, God, I love you. I adore you. But the problem is we have other lovers. We have other things that takes us away from the presence of God, takes us away from time with God, takes us away with communion with God because of those other lovers. So when I'm telling you to look for specific scriptures, also look for the revelation of those keys, those nuggets. You know, we love to quote Romans 8, 28, all things work to the good of those who love God. Where is that at in this? It's not mm -hmm. enough to say that I love you, Lord. That's a great start, but it's not enough. Mm -hmm. Because the, if, if there's other lovers, the scripture is clear. God is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. And I would love to say that we're not an idolatrous people, but we are. We have many false idols in our lives. And we, and, and you know, just we all need it, but it, it can become idolatrous. A right. phone. We all right. need it. I'm not discrediting it. We need our phones. I'm not, I'm not condemning anybody for having it. But if I can spend an hour in a daytime mm. on a social media app, whatever it is, one hour, then why is it difficult for me to spend 30 minutes with God? It shouldn't be. But right. see, that's what we're doing in that. So I, I want to say some practical things. It's always going to be worship, read, but look for the nuggets and do not hear me. Oh, I'm going to say I'm going to say a cuss word right here, Robert. <laughs> Do not forsake fasting. Mm -hmm. I genuinely believe un, some years ago fasting became kind of like a you know the thing that every Christian is doing, you know, here and there. And it became a fad even though it initially didn't start that way. But fasting is going to start to become a lifestyle again for people. It's a must for people. I'm talking to myself as everybody else. But these are some things, fasting, prayer, worship, looking at the word, getting in that. Lastly, I want to say this, and I, I, I can't stress this enough. You better learn how to guard that ear and eye gate. That's it. You've got to guard that ear and eye gate. And, and that's not just with television and with music and with movies. And I'm not simply saying that, although those are definitely a part of it. But you better know who is speaking to you. You, the greatest thing that Moses had for him, and, and I don't know that he fully comprehended it all the time. I think that he did. But the greatest thing he had for him was a Joshua. Joshua was, Moses is at the top of the mountain standing mm. within the presence of God, and Joshua is as close as he can possibly get. We all want 
people beside us, but we better know who is beside us. And Miriam definitely loved Moses. Don't, don't misunderstand me. She loved Moses at times, but at times we all know that she mm-hmm. began to think she knew more than Moses and Aaron the same way. And so these are the things that we have to be able to guard our ear and our eye gate. And unfortunately, sometimes that means people. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are all really good keys. I mean, I can relate to a lot of them as well. Like I know for me, one of the things the Lord spoke to me well over a year ago, actually through my wife, but I got an, I got a witness from the Holy spirit when she said it was Yuri came upstairs one day and I won't go into all the details, but she said, honey, just turn your news app off for a while because it was headline after headline after headline. And it was creating tension, uh, frustration, irritation in me. And she said, just, just turn off the news app for a while. If something goes on that I know you need to know about or need to pray into, I'll let you know. And she'd give me these, like, we, I would jokingly refer to them as my briefings each week, but she'd give me little, you know, keep me up to date, but I wasn't getting that constant barrage of this person did this. And that. so one of the things I'll add or, 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 or illustrate from your wisdom that you just shared is I encourage you all to get personal with God and say, Lord, what are some steps I can take? And he may tell you directly. He might use somebody like a Joshua or in my case, my, my helpmate, my wonderful wife, who had a suggestion that as soon as she said it, I could feel the Holy Spirit going, yeah, that's a really good idea. It's not bearing good fruit in you right now. <clears throat> and What's interesting to me is hearing you talk about movies and TV shows. So I did that for over a year and I get some headlines every once in a while, but very different than it used to be the constant barrage. I can't tell you the number of TV shows and movies we turn off 10 minutes in or a half hour in or two episodes into a season because all of a sudden it goes a direction where we say, we don't want this in our eyes. We don't want this in our ears. We don't want this in our home. We don't want this in our life. And it's not offense, bitterness. It's just where the world is right now, and I'm going to fight for the world. I'm not going to fight against the world, but I'm not going to let those things in that also make it look like, oh, my gosh, it's everywhere. Well, it is everywhere, but that's why we look to the dry ground. I think it's – and I really like that you said fasting only because literally or or just this morning, Ryan, in my prayer time, the Lord told me, I want you to go on a water-only fast, and he gave me a specific amount of time. <clears throat> and I know the impact or yeah, say, yeah, I know. Cause, and really, what is this about? Cause I was thinking about it. It was like, all right, Lord, when we fast and I know, you know, this, but I'll tell the story. I haven't told our audience for a long time. I'd been in ministry for about three years and I was doing all these fasts. And one day I'm starting another fast and the Lord speaks to me almost audibly. It was so clear. And he said, you know, Almost all your fasts are under nothing. You get that, right? And I was in my kitchen and I stopped and said, no, I don't get that. What are you talking about? He said, you keep approaching your fast. Like if you fast, you'll grow in the prophetic. You'll get more words of knowledge. You'll see more miracles. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. Isn't that how it works? He's like, no, that's not at all how it works. You don't earn more from me by fasting. What you do when you fast, when I call you to a fast, I'm doing it to help you get yourself out of the way in certain areas that limit you from flowing in the fullness of what you've already been given. The very fact you think you need to earn this stuff, 
shows me there's things we need to deal with, but you've got to shift that. So he really started helping me. And whenever he calls me to a fast, now I get excited because I know what we're doing is we're not, we're literally not feeding the flesh, right? So in an era that we're coming into where it's going to be more important than ever to be plugged into the spirit, moving with the spirit, aware of the Holy Spirit. I think this season of fasting, because what reacts? The flesh reacts. I heard Graham Cook say something, not in person, on a CD teaching of his years ago that I've unfortunately never been able to forget. It's only flesh responds to flesh. So if my least favorite politician is doing something wicked and evil and carnal, if I react, it's like, Ugh! I need to be aware my flesh is as big an issue as their flesh. And one of the ways we deal with that is to starve the flesh, as it were. But what we're really doing is we're feeding the spirit. We're saying the spirit is more. So I agree with you. I think fasting is going to be a key strategy in all of this. And I'm really excited about it because I've been doing a lot of praying in tongues. And now God is calling me to add fasting into that. I believe that. And of course, our audience knows, I think worship is one of the best things we can do, praise. And when I'm feeling all the heaviness and oppression and discouragement and things look impossible and impassable, one of the things I always do is praise the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, one. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me, two. And I make myself do it yeah. 10 times in a row. And somewhere along the line, it breaks. And years ago, I asked the Lord, why does this work? And he reminded me what he said to Moses. When I set my people free, bring this up, bring them up this mountain to worship me. We celebrate our freedom in Christ. We break off the slave mentality. We can't murmur and complain when we're looking at God. Although I'll say this, if you're wrestling and murmuring, complaining, I've been there. One of my favorite things to do is sit with God and be real with him and say, Lord, here, if I hadn't done that, he wouldn't have been able to get my attention and shift me to what if this is all a divine setup? And one of the things he told me for 2023 is it's the year of focus and perspective, which ties right into what you're sharing. He said it's more important than ever that you focus on biblical truth so that you have a heavenly perspective. Because if we, if we maintain the, the, that we won't budge from eternal truth in the midst of temporary challenges and tests and trials, we'll have the heavenly perspective of there is dry ground. He is my dry ground. He is leading me. He will see me through. And something great and glorious is going to come from this because he's still the God of Genesis 50. And what is meant for harm, my God turns to the good. It is so good. I mean, and one of the things I do want to say to those that are watching and listening is you, you brought up the news. And every time I say about Garden Irrigate, I get I always get those people that say, well, I need to be informed. Well, I, I agree. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. I, I think we get in trouble when we become ignorant to what is happening all around us. What I would recommend to people is turn off the 24 cycle, mm. 24 hour cycle of the news and go to the website or the app and read the article. When you're reading the news article, it, you're hearing your voice and you're not hearing the voice of others because it's very easy to, we have to understand, and, and, and I say this not to be disrespectful to all journalists. I'm not saying that at all, but an overwhelming reality is journalism, true journalism is a lost art. Now what we're presented with the news is I need to convince you 
to agree with my side. That's the news that's being. So if you remove that and read that, it, it, it will change. And that's how I keep up with it. I read news now. I, I mean, not long ago, I was told, Robert, somebody asked me not long ago, this is a few months ago, and they said, oh, do you watch whatever news program it was? And I said, no. And they just kind of looked at me and was like, you don't watch that? And I'm like, I rarely ever watch the news anymore. And they just kind of looked at me so disappointed, like, you don't watch the news? And I'm like, I can't afford to. And they just look, and there's like, and I said, well, first of all, I'm a visionary person. Visionary means, so I create, there's a lot of things that when I hear something, it creates a world around me when I'm hearing that. And I have to guard that. The scripture's clear that we're not to have anything to do with a vain imagination, but an imagination in and of itself is not necessarily wrong. So when I'm reading the word of God, I now create a world that what is before me and I'm able to see dry ground because of what his word is. I'm reading that. Don't fear. God, the word of God says, do not fear. I am with you. So now when God says, do not fear, I'm with you. I start creating this world that I, even though in the real, the real side, um, the gentleman that you had, I love what he said. And I, I know we're going long and I apologize for this, but I just enjoy talking with you, Robert, so much. I'm the same. The, the, the gentleman that you had that spoke, uh, that had the massive heart attack and stuff and everything. One of the things that he's Jerry shared, Irvin. Yeah. Jerry. Irvin. Yes. The one of the things he shared that absolutely rocked my world is he said, you have to know the difference between reality and truth are facts and truth, facts and truth. And he used reality at the same time. But, you know, it was the reality is when he had the heart issue, the fact was death was knocking on his door. But God's truth overrode that fact and that reality. So there has to be something created out of that. The supernatural supersedes my reality. God's truth supersedes what the realistic side produces in fact. And so I took that so to heart. Uh, mm. For me, when I heard him speak, I took that so to heart with my son who, yeah. you know, is, is dealing with a type one diabetic, but he, realistically he's a type one diabetic. Medically, it is a fact. He is a type mm. one diabetic, but God's truth, he's healed. Come on, and he's man. not going to be a type 1 diabetic all of his life. And one day, that truth will supersede the reality of it, and it'll be supernatural. Amen. And that's what I want people to get out of this word about looking to the dry ground, is that when we look to the dry ground, we look beyond the circumstances. We look beyond the test. We look beyond the offense. We look beyond the disappointments. We look beyond the hurt. We look beyond the trials, the bondage, the manipulations, the snares. We're looking to the dry ground. And even though we cannot see it yet, God is calling us to move forward on his truth, not with our reality. Amen. I agree completely. That's powerful. You know, I love our conversation so much. It just struck me that um, I've, I've just, you, you've been great because you've been on camera the whole time. Even when I was pontificating, you were on camera because I'm so used to our conversations. I'm just looking at my friend having a conversation. I'm totally forgot that we're actually, well, I didn't totally forget, but I basically forgot we're, we're, we're filming while we do this. Oh, my friend, I so, so appreciate you. And I so love our conversations and I'm so grateful we get to bring our audience into them. 
I'm going to have you pray for our audience here before we close out, Ryan. But do me a favor, just before that, as always, let them know where they can get more from you, hear more from you, um, uh, your resources, all of it. Let them know the places to connect with you. Yeah, the easiest thing is just to go to ryanjohnson.us. That's the website. It's my name, ryanjohnson.us. We have all of our social media links there, blog, our store, our podcast. You know, we have a podcast you've been a guest multiple times. Uh, absolutely love what I get to be able to do with the podcast and more. And that's just the easiest way to connect with us. If you're on Facebook, Instagram, whatever the case may be, our YouTube channel, we'd be honored to be able to have you like, subscribe, follow, whatever all the lingo is on all those social media places. That's the reason I just love the website. Direct them there and they go from there. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Excellent. All right, my friend. Um, thank you for that. RyanJohnson.us. I'll drop that in underneath us as well so they can see it clearly, but just they see your name there on your, your name tag on your screen and then just .us. Do me a favor before we close out, Ryan, as Holy Spirit leads, please pray for our audience. Yeah, Father, I just thank you right now for every single person who has been listening and watching this particular episode. I want to encourage them that in any obstacle, anything that is overwhelming right now to their life, to prophetically look to the dry ground. Don't become so focused on looking back. Don't get caught up in the what ifs, the would have, could have, should have, if I'd not done this or that. I want to encourage them, Father, right now where they're at, that the greatest thing of where they are right now is they're not alone. You have never forsaken not one person. You've never abandoned not one person. So, Father, I want to encourage them right now. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to encourage them that they are not alone. Father, baptize them in the warmth of your love, that they would know you in greater revelation and greater glory. So, Father, I pray that we're able to see beyond the waters and into that dry ground. I pray that we're willing to see beyond our reality from the foundation of your truth. I pray that we do not settle in this season. I pray that we do not give up in this season and that we renounce the spirit of fear right now in the name of Jesus. We renounce the spirit of bondage right now in the name of Jesus. And we renounce any apathetic mindset, any spirit of apathy now in the name of Jesus. Father, we welcome the opportunity to repent because when we repent, we know that there is much more grace and mercy that abounds with you. So, Father, we're not condemned. We know that in you, you are the author of the mercy, the grace, the love, the hope, and everything that we have, we have it in you, Father. So we look forward, we press onward, and we walk on dry ground, and I declare it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for that, my friend. And thank you, Ryan, so much for being with us today, all that you shared. God bless you. God bless your wonderful family. And may 2023 be your most blessed year ever. And I say the same for all of you who've been with us today. God bless you. God bless your 2023. Thank you for being here with us for this episode of Heroes Arise. Don't forget, 
Go to Amazon, leave that five-star review for the book Realms of Power to get entered into the drawing. Like, share, subscribe the video and the podcast. And of course, leave that five-star review on your favorite podcast platform for the Heroes Arise podcast. That'll get you entered into the drawing as well. And one last thing I'll ask you to consider as we come into this new year, uh, consider going to roberthodgkin.com or menonthefrontlines.com. Click that donate button, that giving button, and sew into what we're doing. We're so grateful to be here each and every week for you. And it's our gift to you to create all the content we create and put it out for free. If you're not in a position to sew right now, we totally understand. We're committed to being here for you to encourage, empower, and equip you because you are needed for this hour. But if you happen to be in a position where you could sew, it would be a blessing. And we'd love for you to come alongside of us and all the content we're creating and all the heroes we're helping to raise up. God bless you. Thanks for being with me. And I'll see you back here again soon for another Heroes Arise. Ready for more? Go to roberthodgkin.com for more teachings, more resources, and more information about Robert Hodgkin Ministries and Men on the Front Lines.